What is up, Doe? Welcome to the Pixel and Rose Show, where we discuss, uh, you know what we discuss, those Washington Wizards. Hey everyone, this is Adam McGinnis. This is part two of my discussion with Chris Thompson. In part one, we talk about the issues with the, with the team, uh, offense, defense, what's been going on, how it just hasn't been a fun season, the, the poorest three-point defense. So go over if you want to check out part one. Uh, some good, good stuff. Our discussion went for two hours, so I made this part two. We kind of get into the blame game. Who's to blame? Coaches, players, front office, the ownership. Kind of some criticism of some of the moves that the front office has made. How fixable these issues are. Do they need to make a trade? Is it schematic? Uh, we get into John Wall. How sensational he has been uh, this month. Injuries. Bradley Beal. All the... All the <laughs> All the bang, bang up injuries that we have on this team, kind of how that ties into Beal's uh, contract situation at the end of the season, the Kevin Durant elephant in the room, and kind of forecast the rest of the season. So uh, sit back. This discussion uh, gets really good, and we end on a high note. So thank you so much for your support. Uh, go to Truth About It for all your coverage and Pixel and Row Show. And always, go, go Wiz. So who's to blame on these problems? I, I, I mean, we've mentioned the players, we've mentioned the coaching, front office, yo, ownership, yes. ownership. Yes. Like, like, is it just a shared responsibility? Now, I know it's a cop out yeah. answer, but I think it's true. I think I can I can be critical on each one of those four people yes. that are instrumental in this. And I think, to the Wizards' credit, um, organizationally, they are very much in sync, um, and that's not something you'd say about like. You know, first of all, like the Kings, everybody knows the Kings are all like massively dysfunctional. Or even for even the um, even the Rockets, there you know, there's always kind of the rumblings of um, you know, sort of butting heads between Daryl Moore and Kevin McHale. Uh, the Wizards are all are like very in sync, you know, or at least outwardly they appear to be very in sync. I think that you know, like they all from the top down, from Ted and Ernie and Randy, I think all of them are on the same uh, page, right? Finally. On the same page about like making the switch to to this pace and space offense and um and 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 I, I would bet if you could get Randy Whitman you know alone and maybe get a few in him he might tell you that he's like you know they he he wishes they had done more this off season instead of just holding off for Katie I'm sure we'll talk about that yes, yes. at any rate um at any rate uh, I think that they're on, that I do think that they're and this is to their credit I think that they're on the same page organizationally and so uh, you know they they kind of all have to accept blame for that I do think that they my sense even um, in the preseason was that they kind of punted on this um, on on really improving themselves this season um, and and so that would be the ownership that'd be the ownership said. yeah right yeah. And I did not think that until I had heard that both Jared Dudley and Alan Anderson uh, needed surgery prior to the season. I thought those were smart pickups. But, but you know, once I found out, like, oh, these guys aren't even necessarily going to be in shape to start the season, um, you know, that that's like, okay, so you're kind of bargain shopping here. You, you didn't just get a good deal. You got a good deal because these guys are not, like, ready to play. Um, and so that, yeah, to me, that 
like that's you know, that's Ted Leonsis and Ernie Grunfeld, and then obviously um, Dwan Blair's existence on this roster is definitely against yeah. the front office and the ownership. Front office for, for sure. sure, right? I mean, he doesn't yeah. fit any of these. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Oh my god, like what is he even doing? Like, and, and now there's so many injuries he plays, and it just dra- I'm just like, oh my gosh, like he's, uh, it's just it's like you're not a good defender. You're basically a big guy that can get a rebound here and there and has like a nice touch around the hoop once in a while. And you're pretty much a negative in everything, especially what they're trying to do out there. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no other way. And, I don't, I, and I, it's, always, it's always confused me a little bit. Like, why, why aren't they, um, why have they shot away from you? Like, embrace what you're going to do. It, 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 you, you've already made your bed here. Like, embrace what you're trying to do and use Humphreys to the five. Like, yes. I, every time I see, like, DeJuan Blair come in the game with Chris Humphreys sitting on the bench, like, I want to pull my hair out. I'm like, what are you, what, what is that? What are you doing? Yes, I think he would excel. Is better anything than Chris Humphreys? <laughs> no, Humphreys is, Humphreys is a way better. I mean, Humphreys' strengths are rebounding and, you know, defense, he's okay, but he's a, totally better than Blair. So, so, so the million dollar question, we've rambled for an hour and we have two more topics to go to, but this one, are these fixable, dog? Is any of this fixable? Is there a trade? Do they need to make a trade? I know. I'm extremely I, 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 I know. And, and the thing is, it's not so much, you know, there was, oh, you know, the, 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 the page view people were out there this week about the, let's get Dwight Howard to, to the Wizards. Because Dwight Howard must be traded, so you know everyone's writing these posts about Dwight Howard and you know Washington Post and all these people. I'm like, whatever, dude. They, Dwight, you're gonna trade Gortat, Porter, and a pick for Dwight Howard, who's probably oh. gonna be he's gonna play half the games because his back yeah. is hurt. First of all, I don't want Dwight Howard. I think he's immature. I think he's a baby. I think he's injury prone. Yes, he's an awesome player, but. I don't think he corrects any of these woes. Is he better individually defender than Morton Gortat? Of course, but like that is not that is not really the issue of this team. So, is there a trade of all goal? Is is it just about we got to help these guys get healthy, or is it just like we're just stuck in this? <laughs> I think I think, no, I think that that getting healthy will help for sure. Um, I also think. That, that it, there's it depends on what we mean by fix it. I mean, are they gonna are they gonna be a top four seed in the East and go to the Eastern Conference Finals? I think we can probably close the book on that one. Um, but I do think they can play coherent, competitive basketball night tonight, um, and without making any kinds of big trades or uh, personnel. I do think they probably need to. Um, and it's, maybe, maybe there's nothing here, but they probably ought to look at whether they can show up their front court, even if it's just a useful player. It doesn't have to be somebody who fits necessarily a whole pace and space identity. Uh, rebound block shots, player. rebound block shots. Be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. Um, Play twenty minutes. Bar- now be Dwan Blair, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Play play twelve minutes and just do not be Dewan Blair. That's yes. it. Well, by the way, he fouls all the time too. By the way, oh, I forgot. I, he, he, he literally gets yeah. in and fouls immediately. It drives me insane. But yeah, keep going. It's like right. It's like it's like he. Uh, it's like he's not really in the game till he fouls somebody. So he gets it out of the way as soon as he can. Like yeah, I need, um, I need to figure out does he have more fouls per minute than anyone? Which which used to be Jan Vesely. You know, another great decision. It could uh, be Kelly Oubre, but if it's not Kelly Oubre, it's definitely. Yeah, but he's twenty years old. I'll give him. I'll give him some. Credit. And, and the rest don't like the rookie either. I'll, 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 I'll give him credit for that. But, 
But, but I think they could fix some of this stuff internally just by simplifying what they're trying to do out there. I, and I'm not confident that they can do that. I'm not confident that they can do it without um, having even more sort of like um, despair and discord in their locker room and discouragement among their players. I think, I, I, you know, just I get a bad feeling watching them out on the court. Um, seems like they don't handle adversity well at all. It seems like they don't handle success well at all, to be honest. Um, so I'm not very optimistic about it, but I think it's possible. Um, I think that, you know, I, I do think a team that has John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Nene, Marjorie Gortat, Jared Dudley, Alan Anderson, Gary Neal, like that should be a team that can compete night in and night out. They're not necessarily going to win 55 games, but that's a team, that's a roster that can do some stuff. Um, I agree. And, and so they, I think that they, I think that they can write the ship enough to be a team that plays better than 500 ball the rest of the way. Um, but I don't think that there's some, I don't even think there's a move that they should make uh, with an eye towards salvaging their preseason expectations. I think at this point they need to just, they need to be realistic about where they are um, and not and not sell the farm in order to, you know, chase a, a top four. It's well, just not going to happen. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to trade a pick. I don't want to take on salary. And I don't think the front office wants to either, honestly. Yeah. And so I, I think that those would be really bad decisions. They'd be short-sighted. Yeah. Second of all, because cause we'll go into Kevin Durant, which is the last topic on the list, which goes into ties into what they're actually trying to do, I think, from an organizational standpoint. But let's talk about the franchise. So, Mr. John Wall. It, what's really bizarre, too, about the season, once again, I think I said bizarre five times, and, and you know, inconsistently, consi- consistently inconsistent, is that you had, and it's also been why it's not been fun, is that when John Wall was playing, was playing really bad in November, and not just John Wall, like, and the team was bad. So now we have John Wall playing all-star level John Wall. I mean, he has been yeah. phenomenal. He has been, and, and when he was playing bad, he still would show glimpses, right? Like it, it just, yeah, totally. and so he, you know, he'd still be. I could still vine him all the time. There's John Wall vine machine was still happening. He was playing bad, but now he's shooting the ball really well. A lot better confidence. He he is, you know, take it to the to 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 the the defense. I mean, he is basically the whole team at this point. So so we have John Wall struggling. The team is struggling. Now we have John Wall being awesome John Wall and they're barely competitive. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, that's the part well, that's really depressing. Their expense has not gotten better. Um, yes, is that, so maybe like, that's the part, right? Yeah, like, like, John Wall has been brilliant for the most part in December. Dude, he's averaging like 28 and 11 shooting like, dude, yeah. he's shooting like over 50%. He's shooting like 40-some from three, like 43 from three, which is like insane. He was shooting like 37 from the field in like twenties from threes and like yeah. eighteen and nine and now he's basically you know way up on all those categories, but then I guess Memphis he played really bad. But aside from Memphis, he has not played a bad game where oh, I'm like, yeah. in, in a long time, and and it's been fun to see because it was really depressing when they were losing and he was playing bad. Yeah, and he said his yeah. ankle was tweaked, but I think that's kind of some revisionist history. I don't, I don't know how much that was true because he kept saying it wasn't during the time because Kyle would ask him. Uh, I think Jorge would ask him almost every day during his struggles, and he said he was good, nothing with health. And then, of course, now he started playing well, and he's like, oh, yeah, my ankle was all kind of twisted when I was playing bad. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, really, dude? So what's the truth on that one? You know? but, but, but just going, like, what you see out of John Wall, because the thing that, when I, the reason I mentioned those two things that, you know, it's going to tie into the indictment of the front office is that I just get... I get upset when I'm like, are we 
wasting a lead John Wall, right? You know, it, it's like, like we're only having, like you said, you mentioned earlier how, you know, like when he retires, which I'm not going to talk about or whatever, it's going to be sad, but it's like, there's only going to be so many years that we're going to have John Wall at this level, especially with injuries yes. and how things shake out. And he's been this last month has been at this level. And this team has so many issues still. And, and, and yeah. what is it? Or, or just what have you seen out of his game this season? I, I mean, obviously I said the good and the bad, but just him as a player, he is the franchise. He actually is the identity, honestly. But, yeah. but keep going. He's, I, I do think in spite of, despite what their record shows and despite what his November production looked like, I do think he has taken another step forward in his career this year uh, individually. His, he's had a couple of moments this year where his, the Cavs his game, ability for sure, to get right? to the hoop Cavs game, it's right? It's like freakish. Yeah, oh yeah, the Cavs game. Yeah, the Cavs game. And then uh, just all through the month of December, he's he's had all this, like, all this real s- slick, you know, pretty, and very, like, elegant stuff that he's been doing. The Dallas the game, that step, that step back versus Dallas, he made a bunch of shots in oh, yeah. Dallas. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that just ridiculous drive he had when they hedged hard on that pick and roll on the right wing and he crossed over real fast and just oh, beat yeah. like four guys to the hoop. It was gorgeous. It was like the most gorgeous thing. And, and, and like that's that was not a part of his game a couple years ago. He would have he would have tried to just go full speed and race around everybody to get there and would wound up falling over or something. But like um, so I do think he's taken another step forward. I think that um, I actually think defensively he's taken a step backward from last year. Last year I really thought he would like an all NBA defender, I think I think he should have even been first team all NBA last year defense. Um, this year, I do think he's taken a step back, not in terms of like ability or anything like that, but I do think he's taking way too many chances this year defensively, and it's hurting them. And like you know, for all the improvement that they've done in December, they just cannot get stops. But in a weird way, maybe that gives you a kind of like a, a blueprint. You know, if they if they're not getting stops and not playing in transition. But John Wall's still putting up these huge numbers. Maybe they don't need to play in transition. Maybe they can. Maybe they can go back to playing conservative defense, um, and and even and even playing you know Nene and Gortado alongside some minutes, just some minutes, not like reverting totally to what they did last season. And and go ahead and just be a conservative defensive team, and um, and just trust that John Wall's made a kind of personal leap, you know, or he doesn't need to be playing fast break basketball. Um, at this super pace, I mean, their pace has slipped off a lot uh, over the last few weeks. I want to say they're like, you know, maybe like ninth or tenth in the NBA, where they were like second or third. So at any rate, um, his defense is not like where it was last year. But um, boy, he's his offense has been really impressive in the month of December. Uh, I, I'm waiting for his body language to kind of pick up, and uh, and I'm waiting for his defense to pick up. Uh, but he's still a joy to watch. I mean, I love watching him every night. Even even the nights where he's surly and missing shots. He, you know, you never know when you're going to get something spectacular out of John. So no, no, that's why I talk about John too. Is like when he was struggling, he's like he does he can't hide things well. <laughs> like, 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 like when he's struggling bad, like he wears his emotions <laughs> on his sleeve. There's no like, oh, is he into it or not? You know, it's like yeah. if he's playing bad, you know. If he's playing really well, you know. He's yeah. he's pumping himself up, and that's why I love to watch him as a basketball player. And it is, and he actually has. I said. I having fun watching this team there has been these glimpses and moments the sugar highs or you know cocaine blow highs that i mentioned and john wall has been a part of that uh 
You you mentioned Nene, so there's another good segue into the injuries because you know we'll just say this the Nene report, and we've we've discussed we've mentioned the injuries over and over and over, but I just want to let's just go through it. So there's been 24 games. There's only been three players that have actually played in every game on the roster, which is pretty freaking phenomenal for for, for a 15 man roster. <laughs> 24 games of the season. There's yeah. only three dudes who've actually just just played. It is John Wall has played in every game. Otto Porter's played in every game, and Ramon Sessions has played in every game. And, of course, Otto Porter uh, left last game injured, and uh, his status is up in the air for for the next one. Uh, you have uh, Bradley Beal at 17 games, so he's missed seven. Gortat has missed three, not for injury, for a family thing. Neil has missed two games at 22. I think he had an injury. Dudley has, um, has played in 23 I'm also concerned about his minutes. I know Whitman is, is you know, he's very cognizant of trying to limit Dudley because I think Dudley's played really well the last few weeks, honestly. And, 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 I, and I do see him maybe a little on Paul Pierce, how they did last year, maybe kind of saving him a little bit more for the playoffs. Uh, Nene has played 12. Uh, Kyle, so he's played half the games. Uh, and he's actually been really damn good when he's played, honestly, even as a backup center because yeah. he's really good at rebounding. He's really good at uh, defense, like you said. He's maybe the second-best passer on the team, <laughs> aside yes. from John Wall. Yeah. And you can maybe he'll find cutters. You can kind of run the offense through him a little bit. Uh, Chris Humphreys has missed uh, five games. He's played 19. Garrett Temple has played 22. Ubrey's played 17. Obviously, he's a rookie. Drew Gooden has played six. Uh, so, 18 games. Juwan Blair has played 14, which is probably too many. And uh, Ryan Hollins has played five. So, 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 the, so when we talk about the injuries, the two that obviously stick out, three if you count Gooden, but I'll count Gooden on the side, is obviously Nene at 12. Uh, Kyle, I think, made some wisecrack on the Twitter machine that uh, Nene's on fall break with his, uh, his uh, strained calf. Uh, but you know, I, I'm like, I thought you're in the best shape of your life again. You didn't play any basketball. You worked out with your family. You're hurt already. Uh, but then this, but, but it's Bradley Beal. So Bradley Beal now has a stress fracture again in his leg. I, I don't know if I'm just expecting these bad things to happen with Bradley. It's the same leg again. Uh, in true Wizards fashion, uh, to tease out for two weeks and they're going to reevaluate. So take that as you will. What that means in Wizards lore, which could mean three months, he could be back in three yeah. weeks. He he, I I, I I talked to him after the Suns game, and and someone had mentioned he had gotten hurt in the game, or him and John Wall collided at the end, which was really scary. They both were down, and and someone had called him Wolverine. And I asked him, I went up to him, and I was like, yeah, man, so uh, so I call you Panda all the time. Is it cool if I call you Wolverine? And, you know, he laughed. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he called me, he's like, he called me Wolverine. Because we've seen through Bradley's career, it's really bizarre as he's had these nasty, crazy spills where are like, oh, my God, he's so hurt. He literally will play the next game. And then you have, like, like this injury. I don't know when it happened. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, Bradley Beal's out. Uh, one game, and then now it's a stress fracture, and you get that ominous press release. It says, you know, two weeks, we're going to reevaluate. Brad, so Bradley Beal is a player. So the two are, are Nene and Beal. How concerned should we be about those two? Is it just how it's going to be? And we should just accept that. How much does it play into Bradley Beal wanting that big contract? Because the thing that I said at the beginning of the season when I predicted him as 50 wins, and I said to Kyle, is that it's all about John Wall and Bradley Beal's health. Because if those two dudes are healthy... And I think it's kind of what you said when you said these are the best lineups. Like, they should be able to compete with those seven dudes, right? And But it starts with Bradley Beal and John Wall. I mean, I mean, Beal was phenomenal 
mean, he was took another. When you talk about taking leaps, he took that leap. Hit the game winner against the Spurs. He was averaging you know low twenties a night. Looked like he'd picked right back off from the playoffs that he'd had the last two postseasons. He was ready to do this for eighteen games. He hurts his shoulder, banged up. Came back a little bit. Played okay. Not not as good as he'd played before, but not terrible. And now he has this injury. When do you expect him to come back? Which, once again, I just mentioned that you probably don't have the answer to that. How worried and concerned we should be that it's the same injury, the same leg again, and just how much that our future building blocks are dependent on a player that seems injury-prone, essentially, especially a young player. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is going to be a litmus test for the organization uh, because Bradley Beal is obviously a really important part of their future. Um, you know, I'm really I, – I, I, I am – Skeptical that he's going to be back in two weeks um, because it's a recurring. Now, I mean, this is definitely a recurring injury. That right. I mean, do we even want him back in two weeks? Right. You know what I mean? I mean, do I right. want him right. back in two weeks? Right. Like, take right. two months. I mean, right. Like, but this is not going to change. This is for sure not going to change his bargaining position on his contract. Oh. Um, and they're not going to get like this F Curry discount on Bradley Beal. Um, and so this is going to be a real litmus test for the organization because, you know, it, it like it seems like, um, it, you know, as I sit here, I'm like, you know, it would be such a wizard's thing for them to just like, you know, have the big like coronation and give him the, <laughs> the max contract despite him, you know, missing significant time again. And, and, and bro, like the history with this, with giving Gilbert the money off of, after an Easter, yeah. right? hundred million and even Martel Webster to a lesser extent. Right, I mean those yeah, those did not work out for them. Yeah. When they gave the, they coughed up the money, even Andre Blotch to another extent, but he didn't get right. injured. He just was fat. <laughs> like, like, like where they were like, but they knew that they knew that in those three situations, and they still did it. Right, I know yeah. situations are different. There's a, continually go. Well, this is a yeah. I mean, there's a point. There's a point beyond which. Uh, it will be irresponsible of them, and you and it'll be one of those things where you're like, okay, I know that like a very organization um, would probably take a firm bargaining position with this guy, um, and I, you know, so yeah, I mean, as a fan, like I, I guess I, uh, um, I'm still at the point of hoping that he comes back soon because I think he can play well enough to earn the contract that he's almost certainly going to get and that it will make me not feel bad about him getting it um, but I'm not I'm not optimistic that he's going to be back soon and I don't know too much about the, this injury specifically but I know you know Wizards history and Bradley Beal history does not suggest that he's going to be back soon you know these injuries have a way of stretching out for the Wizards and uh, and Bradley Beal has just had real bad luck with that leg. So and then the, 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 the to me the Nene injury is perhaps an even bigger one. You know as, as like as as good as Bradley Beal is, um, he you know he, he's still developing a skill set that suits him to be to being the second option on a good NBA offense. But Nene gives them so much as a defender and as a secondary playmaker and as a guy who can help out their bench and doesn't need another person out there to facilitate for him. Uh, I just think that that injury is a killer for them, for their interior. So, um, and I'm ho- I, yeah, if I had to pick one of them to return to the lineup right now, I'd probably pick an A, to be honest. How about Beals Camp? Like, like, what are they thinking right now? I mean, are they thinking, like, you're thinking, like, I'm going to get the money no matter what? Or are they thinking, I need yes. to rush back to get the money? Or how much, How much? I know that people don't want to look at it through that lens because that's, like, very individual. In, you know, it's, like, through the eyes of, 
Bradley Beal and not the team. But I mean, this is this is this is the honest truth, right? Like if you're his brothers, his agent, his family, his friends, and you're like, yo, dude, like. I know you want to get back and you want to show and play the same level you are, but maybe you should wait a little bit because I think that you're correct is that someone's going to give an offer sheet to Bradley Bill if the Wizards don't take, they take a hard stance. And then also yeah, yeah. Wesley Matthews blew out his Achilles and still got paid, right? And so there's actually yeah. just just happened and now the, you know, the TV contract money is going to come and you're going to have all these people with all this money. He's a young shooting guard. He's obviously, you know, so talented and he's proved it in two postseasons. So... It's a tough one, right? Like, I mean, I don't know what advice I would even give him if I was his agent or his friend or his brother. I don't think there's anything that could keep him from getting a max contract at this point. The Wizards have no leverage whatsoever to bargain him down from a max contract, especially with the TV money, like you mentioned. There's just no way. There's no way he's not getting a max contract. So I think um, if he felt any pressure to come back, it would be in the case where... It might be in the present case where the Wizards clearly need help they need they need healthy bodies they need people who can score and defend and so if you know he, he might be looking at the you know he and his he he personally might be looking at the team and be like if i don't get back soon there's gonna be nothing for me to come back to but i mean his camp if i'm in his camp if i'm his agent or his like a member of his family i'm probably like hey you know don't definitely do not rush back there's there's as many horror stories about guys rushing back um and you know and it hurting their career in the long term there's enough of those that rushing back is a bad idea, especially for a team that doesn't appear to be primed to make any kind of move, even with him back in the fold. Um, so I imagine there's some conflict even just between Bradley Beal and you know the people around him. I would hope, and I'm at my, my hope as a fan is that Bradley Beal wants to come back as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, I'm sure his camp is not wanting rushing back. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see. It's just, once again, I don't know. <laughs> like, God, what analysis is why you're listening to my podcast because I'm just telling you I don't know. The same thing that yeah. you, you already know, even though I cover the team and I interview these players and coaches and spend way too much time uh, vining uh, uh, plays in front of my TV like a, like a weirdo, is that, is that but the elephant in the room, so we've mentioned an A, we mentioned Beal, mentioned Wall, the defense and the offense, but from going back to our criticism of the front office or or just our mindset of the front office and the ownership, and even the coaches to a certain extent, players will never give you the truth on this, right? They'll be like, do you want Kevin Durant to play with you, right? Of course they're going to fucking say they want Kevin Durant to play, right? Who doesn't want one of the best players in the world to play with you, right? Like, geez, I want to play with Steph Curry, you know what I mean? I I could probably, you know, hit some shots. No, but it really is the elephant in the room. And and so currently there's been, how, how much is it, that they're so set up for 2016 that that basically this is a lost season, but then but then so then that's now that's creeping up right now they're struggling and now there's some commentary there's some members of I, well, I won't name on uh, on our on the truth about staff have been saying these things where wow they just kind of threw this season away to to go for Kevin Durant and I said the opposite well what if they wasted cap space. And sign people or trade made trades or moves that would hinder their ability to make an offer to Kevin Durant. We would be bitching up a storm. We'd be yelling at them, be like, "What the hell are you doing?" 
that you should want to make a run at Kevin Durant because people love him here. He is from here. You got a legitimate shot. There's going to be a handful of teams. You have the, the hometown pool. And I've already had a million podcasts, and I've talked about Kevin Durant. Speculate. We've just I've talked about him speculating. We already had the Thunder game. We already had the KD to DC. Go back to the podcast and listen to all that. I don't want to really go into the speculation of him. It's more of it really is. It's true. I mean, I, I mean, there's no way to, uh, about it. And how, so, how much has the front office hindered their ability of this season? Maybe not purposely, but being being able to be flexible, which I've I've lauded them on praise of being flexible. So how much this flexibility to try to go after Durant in 2016 has hurt this season? Is that the right move? Do you, is it just we're thinking it's the bad move now that they're struggling because if they weren't struggling, then we wouldn't be talking about that talking point, correct? It, and so is this yeah. some hindsight is you know is always better. So just your thoughts of the Kevin Durant elf in the room. How much do you think it plays in a factor of of their decision making? And how much do you think that they really do have a shot of getting him, by the way? I have to ask you that. <laughs> well, let's start there. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't think they have any chance of getting Kevin Durant anymore. I think... Damn it, Chris. You don't, you, don't, you don't even know our audience. you got to pander. Uh, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, give me the no, truth. Give me the truth. I don't anymore. Like, I, um, I, um, I, I really strongly felt like they did. Um, I think... There's a universe in which they do, but I don't. I think realistically they do not. I think if they come out this season um, and then, you know, a hot team and had a strong start and given the impression of a team that actually has, you know, the foundation of a winner in place, um, I think there'd be every incentive in the world for Kevin Durant to come home beyond even that he's from PG County um, and has ties to the area and all that stuff. Like, you know, who wouldn't want to come to a conference that does not have an obvious juggernaut? The Cavs are pretty good. They're not the Golden State Warriors or the Spurs. Um, you know, who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to move to a conference where you where you you know like you're you're always just a move or two away from being a strong contender. Um, and who wouldn't want to go to a situation where um, you're headed to a team where you know they, they have the pieces in place? The Wizards are clearly not that team. Uh, it, there's all kinds of questions about their roster. Who the hell knows? Um, what, who, you know, other than John Wall and Bradley Beal, who even knows who on this team is going to be around in the long run? And then uh, there's got to be questions about um, their coaching situation. And does, 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 Ke- does Kevin Durant want to go to a team that – you know, it might be the case that the wizard had to come to him and say, "Obviously, we need to change coaches, but we'll give you input into that." Does he want that, or would he prefer the stability of going to a team that has? I mean, I, I tend to think any team would rather go to, you know, like a team that already has a good, proven coach versus one where like they're in a position of weakness of needing a coach. Not that the wizard's necessarily going to fire any women, but I, I just think if you're if you're Kevin Durant and you're looking at the wizard situation this season, I'm sure he has his eye on that. He's probably feeling like, oh, yeah, well, this is a totally dysfunctional situation over there right now. They're going to be in transition, and they're going to be looking to me to come in and solve all their problems. And I don't want that. I, I've got that here in Oklahoma City. If I, uh, if I wanted to stay where I have to solve problems, I'll just stay here. Um, so I think that the chances of him coming to D.C. are very small. I do think that, that the, the desire to um, 
have flexibility for next summer has put them in the situation that they're in now. And that's not, I mean, that's a reality of, of the whole free agency cycle. So I'm not necessarily going to kill them too badly for that. Um, but I think recent history in the NBA demonstrates that you can make a deal for a top free agent without, um, without, you know, having your, a clean book a year ahead of time. You know, like the Spurs made salary cap magic happen in order to bring LaMarcus Aldridge in. And even the Warriors, in order to get Andre Iguodala, you know, they kind of just made it happen. Like, they, they pulled some strings and made it happen. They worked behind the scenes and made a smart deal. And, and not that the Wizards are going to, you know, get a, you know, Kevin Durant to take a discount. But I do think it's, I do think you have to factor that into the cost of, getting Kevin Durant. It's not like you keep your, you know, you, you play out this season and then, you know, next year the only cost of signing Kevin Durant is his salary. You have to factor in the sacrifices that they made, you know, in advance. So if they punted on bringing in, you know, free agents who could move the needle for them this year in order to set themselves up for next year, then that's part of the cost of having Kevin Durant. And so if you miss him, then that's part of what you flushed away in order to, on the chance of having him. And, in a sort of risk versus reward sense, Kevin Durant might be the only one of you know, only a couple guys in the NBA who were worth that kind of sacrifice. But uh, boy, I would sure be enjoying this season a lot more if the Wizards had said we're going to make him want to come here by us being good and not just by us being you know the the hometown team. Uh, I, no, I, d- I definitely think that's true. Do you think that like the common wisdom now is that that Durant will re up for one more year? And that him and Westbrook and Ibaka will be free agents in 2017. And, of course, we'll have to do the whole KDDDC thing you know, for one yeah. more effing season. And part of me was like he wouldn't do that because of the money. But then he has that huge deal with Nike. So maybe money isn't the thing with him, right? And, and I know this ability, especially with his injury history, I'd be like, well, why don't he just take the money? But if he takes the money and stays with Oklahoma, then he doesn't know Russ and Ibaka will be around. Or if he goes somewhere else then he wants to go to a winner. Why would he leave a better team, right? And so it wasn't, I don't want to be in the whole speculative thing, yeah. but are we going to do this again? So my point, my question is, is that, so if Durant does this, right, does the LeBron thing and just does it for one more year, aside from the whole KDDC hoopla BS, it's more about what do the Wizards do? You know, yeah. you know, you know like, do they go, do they make a run at Horford? Do they, do they make a trade? I mean, because then A's off the books. Beals up for the extension, which we mentioned. They're going to have all this cap money for basically a, either a star or two really good players, you know, or two like rotation guys that you know that we're going to want a three or four year contract, right? Not, yeah. not guy, not some stopgap dudes. Like if you're going to want to, if you're going to want an upgrade, you're going to have to pony up two to four, you know, three to four years on somebody. Yes, and you know whether that is, and the free agent class isn't that great aside from Al Horford. Or, you know, you know how offer sheets are hit or miss anyway. So then yeah. the Wizards just caught in a bind again, and we have to do this all over again next season. I know, this, once again, this is, I told you this is going to be depressing, but uh, are they stuck? I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, because fans just get all pissed and yell, but I'm like, okay, dude, what if you were the man? The decision is like, how do you do this? I mean, there's a lot of variables going on. It comes down to, um, to me, to me, it comes down to what. You, what do they think they have in John Wall? And I, I, I can imagine if I were John Wall, feeling a little bit, um, I don't know, irked by this whole process. Because there's a part of me that feels like if, if 
if you think that in John Wall you have a franchise player, um, and and you're not like let's put aside the whole copycat league thing. Let's just say like you you have the Wizards and you have this guy John Wall, and you truly believe that this guy can be the centerpiece of a championship team. If you believe that, then you don't delay taking steps to put around him the team that can fulfill his promise so that you can bring in this other guy who's a franchise centerpiece. Who, who might not come, too, right? Who might not come. Yeah, right. right. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, the, I'm that guy who thinks that John Wall is that player. He, he, he already is that guy. So, like, don't put off for a year and certainly don't put off for another year um, the, the process of surrounding him with the best guys you can get to suit who he is and what he needs to maximize what he can do for you, uh, and and to and like it's sort of and so that's kind of why like you know I I you know it would be wonderful if Kevin Durant came back to the Wizards or not came back but came to the Wizards uh, would be amazing you know as a fan it'd be like the most incredible thing and certainly as a guy who occasionally walks around the Wizards locker room with a microphone it would be incredible um, but uh, you know I just feel like like let's not lose sight of like what you're trying to do here you're trying to build. You're not trying to build a, you know, a Kevin Durant team. You're trying to build a championship team, and if and you have this number one pick, all two-time All Star, uh, you know, like this sort of transcendent point guard player who can really make things happen. He he's shown that he can win games in the playoffs. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, knock it off with the waiting and like build the team for this guy. Uh, you know, like build a team that this guy can lead to great things and then other you know other players will want to come and join. I, I, you know, I have to kind of believe that anyway. And I, certainly if you look if you're looking at the NBA the next over the next couple of years in the NBA where every team's gonna have salary cap space to case free agents, every free agent is gonna have a ton of leverage. You, you they were never better positioned. They're never over the next couple of years they will not be better positioned than they were this year to add players because there, as of this coming summer, everyone's going to have room. Everyone's going to have cap room. Everyone's going to be, you know, fishing from the same barrel. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, um, if I were in charge of the Wizards uh, and Kev, and Kevin Durant, you know, does sign the one year deal, which I think he will do because it's worth mentioning that uh, well, one year deal gives him leverage. So he won't have to ask the question about whether Russell Westbrook's going to be there or Serge Ibaka's going to be there or whatever. I mean, he could he can say, like, I'm signing this one-year deal and the only way I come back is if you give me Russ and Ibaka or equal players, you know, of my choosing, or I'm going to hit, hit, hit the road. So I think that leverage is important. I think that's as valuable to him as the money or the guarantee is in the short term. Um, so if I'm the Wizards and Kevin Durant takes the one-year deal in Oklahoma City, I say to hell with it and try to build the best team possible around John Wall. I think it's what they should have been doing all along um just as a sort of karmic and fan service kind of thing also just based on the idea that john wall is a transcendent player you you, you've got a a championship window with this guy so like keep it open you know like build try to build a championship team chase the title especially in the east right i mean we're one we're one john wall wrist injury away from eastern concert finals and who knows what would happen there absolutely i mean this isn't i think that's what's I mean, obviously, that's what made me optimistic, and I said 50 wins. It, 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 I still believe that. I mean, hell, they still should have won uh, against the Hawks. Uh, if they don't blow it in Game 5, their offense goes to shit. If Nene, can, Nene and Pierce can just block out one guy, they go up 3-2, it's totally different. And, and, and a lot of things happen in that series where all of a sudden we'd have a really different opinion of everything. But to me, so much of my criticism isn't about 
the front office being flexible and going after KD. Because I think that that's what I would have done. I'm glad they did it. And it's unfortunately played out the way they did because of some other moves that maybe they should have thought about the style change with some of the personnel they did and injuries they've hurt. I think Alan Anderson is definitely going to help this team uh, when it comes. And I think Dudley at full health is going to especially help them uh, if he can keep his back, his creaky back, <laughs> okay. And, and even Martel Webster, yeah. for another example. I mean, he would have been a plus one player. He's in the best shape of his life. And he, you know, now he's basically his career's over. They couldn't foresee that either. And it, a little bit, but not not to that extent. Maybe they had, thought they had one more more year out of him. But my criticism has really been about the draft. And this this, this they, they, they trade their first pick to get Gortat two years ago. And then they basically trade out of the second round which ends up being Jordan Clarkson. And they trade Jordan Clarkson, who's a, who's a, who's a, who's a serviceable player. They trade two picks to, to trade up to get Glenn Rice, who basically was the summer league MVP, and then they cut a year later. Now, granted, Glenn Rice has gone to his own personal problems uh, lately, so maybe they made a wise decision there, but they still made those decisions. And then, and then this year they had Bobby Porter sitting there, which basically fits right into the style that they want to play, and he'd probably be playing, he'd probably be starting right now, and now he's, right. there's free Bobby Porter's, Bobby Porter's chance going on in Chicago Bulls Stadium the other night because they want Hoiberg to, to play him because he showed so much talent in preseason and in the summer league. And then it's not that, I, I mean, I'm not going to rip on Kelly Oubre. I think that that is, I think that pick might pay off. I mean, it's such a grunt-filled move. I don't know if they had to trade up for trade up for him. I mean, I guess. But then they give, it's just like giving up these assets when they're still a team that can't win 50 games. And, and we've seen, and it's not so much that these players, and I can keep going, you know, on Vesely developing Trevor Booker and, and, and Chris Singleton, Shelvin Mack, how Shelvin Mack and Booker, the, you know, they go be better players somewhere else. Uh, I mean, Booker played well. They don't reward their own players, which I thought they are building a family. And, and all these things that, they could have been assets. So even these young players that they maybe could have moved a young player for a better veteran. So it's like twofold. It's like you they're not developing young players. You've made you've got rid of draft picks, giving up assets for stuff that hasn't worked out, and then even maybe even hoarding some young players where then you could make a trade with those young players and so you don't have to give up a first round pick. And and it just seems that right. it's so it so it just seems to me that 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 has been more my indictment. I think there was a good post on Bulls Forever about this, that they're kind of paying for this now, where you're you're hoping Gary Neal plays, keeps shooting the way he's shooting, which, by the way, I think he's played well on the offensive yes. end. You, you hope Deadly stays healthy. You hope Anders, Anderson gets healthy. Instead of being like, go to the young guy. Instead, we're going to the 20-year-old rookie who would be a sophomore in college who's still kind of, you know, lost out there, but he shows flashes of athleticism that this team sorely lacks. But I want that second or third third year player like that, or or, yes. or or you trade that second or third year player for a seventh year player, eight year player that can that that can help, and, and and it seems like you know Jordan Clarkson would be so valuable on this team right now, and and, yeah. and, and, and I'm not even get how I yelled and screamed that they should draft Draymond Green. They don't. I mean, obviously, I would never pitch a Draymond Green would be. Change the NBA <laughs> on a title team, but I was like, draft him. Like he's hard nosed, can shoot, you know, can shoot, plays defense, and then they draft uh, a, a Eurostash Sadarinsky, and he hasn't been here in three years. And and, and and so those are the decisions, even though they're really minor ones on their on the individually, but collectively, those are the things that I feel is the biggest indictment of the staff and of of Ernie Griffith's thinking that the Wizards kind of are paying for. 
they nice. paid for they paid for it a little bit last year when they had their swoon, and I think they're paying for it this year. When when, when the injuries hit, there's no there's just these stop gap guys to to go to, or you're signing Ryan Hollins and starting him, right? Well, that's just that's the whole thing. Is like is like when you draft smart and you develop guys, you don't find yourself in a situation where you need to sign three one-year contracts in order to fill out you know your rotation in order to stay cheap so that you can pursue a free agent because you've got good young players on rookie deals who can contribute who and who can get better who have upside so that you have you know you have the potential of taking a big step forward if one or two of those guys develops in the right way and develops the right chemistry with his teammates and you and you're still cheap you still haven't had to spend a lot of money to get better um, and I just think, yeah, I mean, that's, I could go on forever about Ernie Grunfeld's draft history. He's a horrible, horrible, horrible drafter of NBA players. He's always looking for shortcuts to building a, a, an NBA roster. He has been his whole career. It's been his undoing at every stop in his whole career. Um, but obviously that, you know, that's a, well, I could drink a beer and talk about that all day long. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna, I think that's an off-season uh, topic. I think yeah. me and Kyle might just go through all the drafts. And, and, it, and it's one of those things where what upsets me the most is when I say, like, Hey, they should have dropped Draymond Green, or hey, they should have dropped Kawhi Leonard over or Clay Thompson over Yon Vesely. Then people are like, oh, you just say that now because they're all good. I'm like, no, I was saying that at the time. <laughs> like I was saying that literally when they worked them out. Like like at the time, like they they worked out Vesely, or they had already known Vesely or whatever. But they worked out Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson. You know, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, hey, this player that fell to thirty is now good, right? And you're like, oh, twenty nine teams could have had him. No, it's like, no, dude, they had the six pick, they worked them out, and took Young Besley. Like, 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 like that, I can't. And they're like, well, people are missing the draft. I'm like, okay, well, they're missing the draft, and then they miss again, and then the ones they take because I'll, I'll never be like they drafted Chris Singleton. I thought it was a steal. I'll never say, like, oh, what a terrible pick that Chris Singleton. No, because I'll go back to be like, no, I thought that was a good pick at the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's part of the same thing. Chris, the, the, whole, the Chris Singleton, Jan Vesely, those are Mack. part of the yes. same bad thing. Like, it's not, it's not, it, I mean, part of it is that they Or Seraphin, Seraphin as well, if you, if you want to yeah. talk about Seraphin. It's like, yeah. oh, we turn in this asset, Jordan Crawford, and then they get the they give the assets away, either trade him to get him out of town, or they just you know, go away. And then I'm like, you didn't really, there was no gain from those things. And there's like six or seven things where other teams, there's, you know, it's not like you're just like, okay, cut your losses. It's like you're cutting your losses like all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. It's, it, you can draft Deion Vesely and you can draft Chris Singleton. And I, and I agree with you. I was totally up on Chris Singleton when they drafted him. Um, it's not just that they draft those guys and they happen to miss. Uh, and I would say to anybody who says, like, oh, teams missing the draft. Yes, teams missing the draft, and their GM is Ernie Grunfeld. Like, <laughs> GMs get fired. Like, you, like you're missing the draft because you're battling your job. Like, not, not that it's, like, such a cinch to hit the draft or whatever, but, like, you don't miss just the day of the draft. Like, like they had Jan Vesely for three years. Like, you couldn't turn that guy into a productive player over the course of three years. You didn't just miss him in the draft. You spent three years missing on that one draft. Like, you had Chris Singleton, and you failed to turn him into a good player. Now, it's, e it's easy enough to go back and, in hindsight, say, oh, they missed on Chris Singleton. But, you know, another team might have also drafted 
to Chris Singleton and turned him into a useful player. It's not just a, a miss on the day of the draft. It's a, it's like it's a, a miss over the whole arc of the time that you had that player on your roster. So it's a it, you know like Jan Vesely was a bad pick. We all thought Chris Singleton was a good pick, but those both could have been good picks, or they both could have been bad picks. It, it comes down to um, not just like how you, not just your evaluation process, but also like whether you can make those guys into productive players. And I, you know, I, I feel, I still feel pretty confident that, you know, like the Spurs, you know, like they would have gotten something out of Chris Singleton. You know, like not that he would have been a star, but they would have gotten something out of him. He would have been a guy that they could give some minutes to here and there. Uh, the Wizards are just uniquely capable of drafting a bust. Like they're just so like practiced at it. <laughs> if you wanted to bust out of a draft, like you'd hire the Wizards to do it. Well, my, they're just so good at it. My, my best John Besley story is that so he was drafted in 2011. Uh, this is when uh, this is also again on Ted Leosens, uh where you know all those rich ass owners decided that they don't have enough money and they caused us to have an NBA lockout. And he was one of the hardliners, which he still disputes. He would mock yeah. that he was a hardliner. Would cancel summer league, cancels training camp, cancels basically everything. Jan Vesely shows up. I'm there. They have a two week training camp in the Verizon Center before they play. And this is when we've just drafted Vesely, Singleton, and Shelvin Mack with three of the top picks on the thirty players. These three guys, and we're in this rebuild, right after we had drafted Seraphin Wall and. Uh, and Booker, and had Jordan Crawford as well. So you have seven young dudes, all basically first-rounders, seven of them, on these two teams. I think they kind of need a training camp, right? I think they kind of need summer league, right? Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, and, but yet, Mr. Ted Leonsis, Mr. Hardliner, wanted to do the same thing that he did when he was with the Caps, uh, when they basically canceled the whole season, broke their player union, got more money, got everything they wanted, and he basically did the same thing again. And I'm on first day in the training camp. And Flip Saunders, you know, rest in peace, Flip, is has a shooting coach with Ian Vesely. First day I'm there. He has a shooting coach teaching him how to shoot. And I'm like, holy shit, it's like December, dude. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's seriously, the, the season is starting in two weeks. And here is a shooting coach that Flip has. I forget the guy's name. He's like this old dude. And I remember like me and a couple guys were like, are you serious? This is our lottery pick. And this dude is like, is teaching him how to shoot like right now. And so, so then, you know, and, and Jan was Jan. I mean, maybe Jan was never going to pan out no matter what, but he did have some basketball skills. He really did. And it just, he was just in a bad spot. And so how much, yeah. it goes back to the player development. So I'm like, okay, I can rip all these players. It didn't work out. And obviously they have some individual blame, but what kind of situations were you putting them in? And, and your, your, your greed basically put them behind the, uh, the, the eight ball. Not to say that the rest of the league was in the same position, but like you had seven dudes that you were first round picks in two years. You're rebuilding this team and you were so hardliner against uh, the team, and then of course, then the Bucks sell for four hundred million a year later. Two years later, the the Clippers sell for billions of dollars, and it's all a bunch of bullshit. And now, now they're swimming in cash, right? You know, what I mean? like, yep. you know that's, yep. that's the part that drives me nuts. But 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 we have rambled a long time. Tell your wife uh, what's up and and your dog. But one more one more point before we leave. How do you yeah. see this playing out, dude? Like, so I'm already getting some comments here and there from people who'll be like. Oh, let's tank for Ben Simmons, which is a ridiculous comment. Uh, and like, you know, maybe they just shut down Beal for the year. Once again, I, I don't believe in that, especially as a fan. I don't, I don't want to cheer for that. But then, 
what is the, what is the opposite that they just kind of hope everyone gets healthy and they grind out to be a six to eight seed? Maybe are, are we really? Once again, there is fifty eight games left, and a lot can happen in these fifty eight games. So I can't say that that, that we still don't have some hope because I think you can still be optimistic. But where are you at on that scale right now? Or is it too early for that? Um, I think I um I think that John Wall has entered the stage of his career where you can't toss away, you know, even half a season because the because the year isn't going the way you want. Um, I think that would be really uh, I think that'd be really lousy for him in his career. Um, and I think it would be a misuse of this chapter of his career. I think you have to continue to try to win and put your best players on the floor. Um, I, and, I, and like you said, I mean, it, it's still early enough in the season, and the East is tougher than it has been for sure, but it's still fairly wide open. I mean, I, w- I want to say the Wizards, I, I mean, I could probably pull it up, but... There's anyway, still like wanna, four I, or five I, games out or something of playoffs. Yeah, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's not like, you know, they rip off, you know, this is an important, this, these next four games are important. Every one of them looks winnable to me. Uh, if they were to if they were to rip off a few wins in a row here, you know, they'd be feeling pretty good about themselves and they'd potentially be in position to... Um, you know, start looking at the standings and thinking seriously about making a move up. I think that I think they still have to be thinking that way. I think if another few weeks go by and they haven't made any sort of a move up the standings, um, you know, they'll be looking at more questions larger than whether they should, you know, radically change their expectations for this season. They'll have to sooner or later start talking about whether they need to make a change head coach uh, in season. Uh, because, because if they if they can't make a move up the standings in the East this season, then there's really no reason to ride it out with Randy Whitman. I I mean I, you know my feelings have gone up and down on that guy over the years. Are you ready? To, I, you wrote I, a great post about him. I remember last year, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not like. Um, I don't. I, I don't. Ha- I don't bear him any specific ill will, and um, I you know because he's the coach of the Wizards, I still kind of hope that he has success and I even kind of like him as sort of this gruff underdog type character but um, you know I, I just feel like um, there's still time for them to make a move and they need to be looking at like whether Randy Whitman can get this team on the right track if he can get them on the right track then you stick with him and give him a chance because he's won you a couple of playoff series if he can't get them back on track this season then that is an indictment of what he's capable of as a coach so they at least can use um, the rest of this season to figure that out. And the only way to figure that out is by making a sincere push to get back into this thing and right the ship. Um, I think it's too early to start uh, looking in another direction. And I certainly don't. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've uh, watched enough of the Sixers over the last few years to just have developed a strong distaste for tanking. as a, um, and, and so, like, I, I would not be able to stand uh, if the Wizards said, oh, you know, like, we're going to just punt completely on this season and hope to get a high draft pick uh, that would make me crazy I would, that, would, that would really make me crazy I guess I, 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 I don't mean that I don't think the Wizards will do that they definitely won't 100% but I think more as like fans saying we should just lose all our games try to get Simmons or them saying if 
if we're not going to be good, let's just be really bad so they can fire Whitman, fire Grunfeld, and bring new people in. <laughs> and then I think, so the people are like, instead, we're just going to be like, okay, good, and maybe barely make the playoffs, and maybe Whitman will get fired then, but they know what they've seen early on since that, like you said, Grunfeld's Teflon Don, and Whitman doesn't ever seem to, to, he has been on his nine lives of coaching throughout the throughout his, his career, and I've never been a fire kind of guy with him. But that, I think that's what I was talking about. Like, where do, fans wanting them to basically yeah. be like, let's just be really bad if we're just going to be, like, mediocre to maybe okay. Nah. Nah, I don't believe in the... I don't, I don't buy the whole um, cycle of mediocrity theory of the NBA. Um, I, it, it makes sense, and I don't... The people who... the people, Like, Zach Lowe has always kind of talked about that as it's being this sort of dead zone of mediocrity in the NBA that you can get stuck in a cycle there and that the only way to win is to like tear down blah 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 it makes sense I understand why people think that I think it you know I I respect that as a position I don't agree I think that a team that has good players like the Wizards have um is is always potentially the right move or two away from just putting themselves in a position where um you know, all they need is some good luck to be a contender. Uh, I think history bears that out. And I think the Wizards, I, as a fan, I want to watch them win games. So I have no interest in watching them lose games in order to win games down the line. I want to watch them win games now and also win games down the line. Uh, but also just as a matter of, like, team building. Um, because it would be great to watch them win a title sometime in my life. Uh, I don't think that the best way to get there is to ho- is to hope as a fan that they will lose enough games to you know fall into some assets that put them in a, a strong position. I think they've got good players now and they can win games, so they should tr- they should be trying to win games. That 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 is its own reward for a fan, but also as a team building proposition, it has its own rewards. Well, well I just pulled up the standings, and as we've just. We've been rambling on for hours of this doom and gloom. The Wizards are currently four games uh, in the loss column behind the fifth place Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> exactly. who, they, who they play tomorrow, so they could they could gain a game on them tomorrow. Yeah. Right? And they're only five games in the loss column behind Indiana and Miami, who are both uh, have nine losses at three and four. So they're basically exactly. only five games in the loss column behind the third place East Coast team. Right. And, and, and- Every single conference team. So, like, if you look ahead of them in the standings in the East, there's a few teams in there where you're like, mm, I'm ma- not sure they're going to stay there. Magic, like Orlando, Magic like for Detroit. sure. Yes. Yeah, and 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 even maybe even Boston. Like, there's a few teams up there. Like the Hornets, like, kind of like yeah. who was predicting the Hornets were going to be good before yeah. this season? Like, there's a few teams up there where you, you could see them falling, and if the Wizards. Put together some win to get get some momentum. It's not hard to see them jumping back up there. I, I I might not be very optimistic about it right now, but I think that that's what they should be trying to do. That's where their eyes should be. It's on moving up. That would be a lot better for uh, someone that's trying to podcast about the Wizards, yeah. <laughs> especially with people, especially with people that that, that want to listen, dude. Uh, that is this has been. I've done some monster podcasts, but uh, we we could probably go on for hours and hours and hours. But uh, you know what, you. You probably have your presents to wrap from Amazon and a, and a barking dog and all that, Chris. But this has been awesome, dude. It's been it's been great. I probably have to put this in two parts because uh, we rambled on forever. But good good stuff. Uh, tell the people where they can find you and what the hell you got going on for your uh, NBA knowledge and shit, man. 
Uh, I'm occasionally, you know, popping up here and there on Deadspin by sports mostly. Uh, if you hate, if you di- if you dislike the NFL, you can catch me Sundays on Deadspin telling you what else to watch beyond the uh, NFL. And then yeah, yeah, I'm always around, you know, here and there. Follow me on Twitter at MattBastardsAll. There you go. Cool, dude. Well, hey, man, this, this has been this has been awesome. Uh, I need to hit the liquor store and get another six pack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this shit makes me depressed, but you know, I actually yeah. feel I do feel a little better. I'm glad that we we ended it on a positive note to talk about the Eastern Conference standings. You know, because right now in front of them, the Knicks, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Hawks, the Magic, the Raptors, the Hornets, even the Heat. I don't know. I mean, I can see them basically jumping all those teams at four. You know, I, I don't know. And the, even the Bulls haven't looked that good, even though they're 15 and 8. Uh, you know, the Cavs are the Cavs, but it's still in flux, and there is yeah. still three quarters of the season left. The Wizards can get some uh, healthy players back, and they can, you know, maybe. It can't get worse on defense, right? right. <laughs> even though Flip Saunders always says it can't get worse, but I'm like, it literally cannot. I was like, I don't know. They're the worst team ever at three point. Like, I don't know if it can get worse than that. I mean, maybe they can hit fifty percent against them. I don't know. All right, Chris, man, it's, it's been great. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Kyle's gonna we're gonna do another episode. Maybe do some over the holidays. You know, truthaboutit.net. Uh, and as always, uh, go go is.